Showers wash all my cares away I wake up to a sunny day Cause I love a rainy night Yeah, I love a rainy night Well, I love a rainy night Well, I love a rainy night Welcome back to the Hockey House Podcast, episode 8 here presented by the Selly Hockey Co. I'm Murph, joined virtually by Fitz and Glick. We'll go to Fitz first. Fitz, how you doing? I was, I'm doing good. Episode 8, that, that's crazy. It feels like we just started this, like, just the other day. Yeah, but it's crazy. Eight doesn't, and 8 doesn't really seem like that much, but I feel like we've been doing this for a lot longer than yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, that's about, like, what, two months? That's pretty crazy. Yeah, and then we probably a month of planning before that, and and here we are. Glick, how are you doing? A lot of TikToks later. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm doing great. Just excited for another week of um, of this podcast. I love doing it every week. It's awesome. Yeah, I thought we we had a pretty good guest this week. Uh, Ryan Minkoff joins us later on. Um, former University of Washington uh, player, and he went on to play a year of pro hockey in Finland afterwards. And, and in his time at UW and in Finland, he was able to write down a lot of the, the memories and experiences that he went through and he, he published his own book. So we asked him about the book he's got coming out and, and his club hockey career. But um, once again, not much news in the ACHA this week. It's more of uh, another week of games getting postponed and canceled and, in my case, season's getting canceled. Um, here at Syracuse, we pulled the plug on playing in the spring. Um, club sports had been asking us what our plan was for the spring. And a month ago, we told them that our goal was to play a full schedule in the spring. And they kind of laughed at us and told us that that wasn't possible. So we we let the league know earlier this week that we wouldn't be playing second semester. And we're just going to try to practice and skate in the spring and hopefully we can start on time in the fall. That's how's, how's Indiana treating it? We actually just got done with tryouts last night. For, there we uh, go. Yeah. We're not going to play. Did you get cut? I, there were some rookies that coming up to me, like joking, like, Oh, I heard you're going to get cut. I'm like, who are you? <laughs> but a of, uh, yeah. A lot of rookies. Yeah. We actually had uh, 45 skaters out there. It's the most we've ever had at any of these tryouts in my four years. So, if um, any kids get cut and they're looking for a place to play, uh, send them to Central New York. <laughs> I'll give be them, sure to do so. Give they, might my, go to our, they might go to our D three squad though. Well, give them my card if they want a spot on <laughs> on the D one team here. <laughs> All right, I'll uh, definitely keep that in mind. We're yeah, we're set to play though. Uh, January eighteenth that week, we'll play uh, play. Uh, Miami of Ohio. It'll be our first uh, two games. So nice. So you're gonna have to come back to campus early for that. Yeah. Um, our classes actually don't start till like February or something for the second semester. So I'll just be sitting here playing hockey. Nothing those, better. Those are the best. Like I remember last like last year we came back a week early and living in a dorm. I got to live in the in like the spare bedroom in the house and it was like a complete dump like i i brought a sleeping bag and a pillow and that was it and i just stayed on on a mattress and you probably had a blast though you're just playing hockey oh like 
it is so much fun without yeah. the, the, the schoolwork and you just yeah. get that one week of um you get like takeout for dinner every night of the week because yeah. you're a freshman in college and you don't know how to cook or don't have like the time or space to cook because it's not your house and waking up and going to dunks every morning get a breakfast sandwich and some hash browns and then going to the rink to skate wasn't too bad we actually last year when we came back early one of the guys on our team got like a google drive folder with like all the newly released movies so like every legendary every day we would we would skate in the morning like monday through friday of that week we were back we would skate in the morning go back to the house uh we'd watch like an unreleased movie like we watched uncut gems like that was when that came out and then the movie would finish and we'd go back to the rink skate again and it was good i think it that lasted three or four days before the google drive stopped working as it probably should have <laughs> before somebody got a virus so yeah, that, I, I like that sometimes you get bored but yeah, yeah you're playing hockey at iu the um the sorority girls have to come back the same time we would come back. So like it'd be us and the sorority girls are like the only people on campus. <laughs> they got a team playing too, or they <laughs> <laughs> they have to come back for their like pledging or whatever. I don't know. Uh recruitment. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Just send all I your think... all the guys who are cut there. Just tell them, <laughs> yeah. if you're not recruiting here, maybe a sorority will pick you up. The sorority girls claim they come back for the recruitment. I think they just come back to see the hockey guys. Well, they come back for recruitment, and then they treat it like they're serving a term in Vietnam. (laughs) (laughs) They talk about waking up in the morning and and recruiting girls to their sorority like it's a tour of duty. Oh, yeah, that's so true. I've been through the war. (laughs) anyways the only notable game we've got on the schedule in the ACHA and and before (laughs) I bring this up I want to preface if if there are any D2 or D3 guys listening to the podcast that are sick and tired of me reading the D1 schedule email every week and then just picking my favorite game if if there are D2 or D3 guys that are playing right now and they've they want to be the game of the week feel free to shoot us a DM and, and we'll talk about you guys and pump your tires but for the time being, I don't think we're going to get a better game this season than uh, number one, Adrian taking on number two, Liberty. For those of you who don't know, if you're living under a hole the last year, Adrian Liberty pretty much went back and forth all last season at one and two. They split. Adrian took two games uh, up in Michigan, and then Liberty won their two home games in Lynchburg. Those two teams are facing off this weekend uh, at Adrian. It'll be interesting because neither of these teams have really had much competition this fall. Um, So they've pretty much just been practicing against each other. And now they're going to compete against the best teams in the country. So um, Adrian's got a sick ring. Yeah. At at Adrian. So I think that, I think that benefits Adrian here. I don't know if Liberty's good, but I don't know if they're as good on the road as they are at home. Anyways, we've got, like I said, we've got a good interview. So we're going to turn it over. Um, to our interview with Ryan Minkoff. The guys at Selly Hockey Co. recently dropped a new line of sweatshirts featuring crewnecks and hoodies. Their newest addition to the crewneck collection is a tribute to the Saturday game, an Alaskan hockey classic. 
The Saturday game crew neck comes in black and gray, featuring a classic fit with no center crease. These crew necks will make the perfect pond hockey look as the temperature begins to drop. Be sure to head to sellyhockeyco.com to see the rest of the sweatshirt collection and for all your hockey apparel needs. This week's guest played four years in the ACHA for the University of Washington, where he left as the all-time points leader before turning pro. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show the first guy to write a book about club hockey, Ryan Minkoff. Thank you, thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. So, uh, Ryan, uh, I'm sure people listening to this will have known by now a little bit about you, but take us through kind of your early hockey career before you ended up playing club hockey at Washington. Yeah. Uh, so it was pretty roller coaster. Um, I so I grew up in Minnesota, and I was just bouncing around from different association to different association through youth hockey for various reasons. Either teams I was on um, just discontinued, or there was political things going on, so I would waver out and go somewhere else. Um, and I went to a top 10 high school um, called Benilde St. Margaret's in Minnesota for hockey. And things just didn't really go how I had hoped there. Um, I just couldn't get playing time to save my life, really. Uh, but I I was, I was a pretty good player. Um, I just I lacked exposure. So the only time I was really getting exposure in the high school years was summer tournaments and being on AAA teams and whatnot. Um, so my senior year of high school, I left my high school program. I stayed at the same high school. Just went to the Minnesota Junior League. You guys have heard of it. It doesn't exist anymore. Uh, but it was a tier three league and I played there. I played a ton, did really well. Um, and the summer before that, uh, Union College was interested in me. And initially they wanted me to come in like right after high school. So I was like, all right, sweet, great. Um, that shifted to me coming in probably when I'm 20. And for whatever reason, I, I, I didn't want to – I just didn't want to play junior hockey after high school. Um, all my friends were going to college and I just, I wanted to go to college and I had no interest in playing division three. Just didn't want to go to a little school. Um, so a lot of my D one options basically went out the window because I wasn't willing to go the junior route. Um, so it came down to uh, Penn state or UW and I only applied to UW like last day they accepted apps and my mom is from out here so I kind of knew a little bit about the area but I didn't know anything about club hockey really for most of my senior year like anytime I'd google the league I basically couldn't find anything I'd find a couple YouTube videos and I was like I, I have no idea what what this level is um but yeah, I knew Penn State had a really good team, really good program. So I was like, well, that, that'd be probably pretty solid. They ended up going to Division One like the year I would have 
been coming in, so it was probably good that I didn't go there. Might have been cut. Who knows? Uh, but I went to UW basically because I felt like I could try to help put the program on the map and just see what I could do there. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't visit UW. I didn't know much about the school. Uh, I knew very little about the program. They had one guy from Minnesota on the team. So I, and he was like an ROTC older, older player. I think he was 26 at the time when I was like coming into the school. So it was, uh, he was an interesting guy, super nice, but yeah, the makeup of the team was all mostly West coast kids from Washington or California or some Alaska guys. Uh, but yeah, going in, I had really no clue what I was getting myself into. And once you got to uh, Washington and, and you're on the team as a freshman, what was your first moment where you realized uh, this is the ACHA and club hockey is not what I thought it was? Uh, I would say, well, my first game was a, it was an exhibition game. We played Western Washington University, which is basically an hour and a half, two hours away uh, from UW in Seattle. And game was at 10 p.m. on a Friday. Uh, at the time, I was playing defense. Um, and I came into the program. I, I I wanted number three. Coach told me I would get number three, uh, get to the rank. And he's got, like, the bag of jerseys. There's there's no there's no number three. The only, only jersey they had available with a three was 83, and the – player who wore that jersey the year before me was the assistant captain so my first game I wore 83 and I have the A on my jersey as a freshman uh, and like the jersey bag only had like five breezer covers in it so like I didn't have UW breezer covers on um, it was just kind of like geez what is going on here like I'm coming from Minnesota. Everything's way more professional. Uh, but yeah, Western had a pretty good crowd actually. I played terrible. Uh, got walked a couple times. I, I was brutal that that my first game. Um, so I, that was kind of my welcome moment. But I I didn't play defense basically the rest of my career after that game so um yeah the the tides turned after that and so for those people who because actually so far pretty much everyone we've had on the podcast either was a an east coast guy or a midwest guy so Mm -hmm. what kind of teams are you guys playing out west in the washington area yeah so we uh we were playing in the pack eight conference that's what it was called it was basically Pac-12, but there was eight teams. Um, so, yeah, we were playing Wazoo um, and Oregon and Cal, UCLA, USC, ASU, Utah. Um, those are the kind of the, those are the conference teams, and then teams around us. We'd play like Western Washington. We'd play Gonzaga. Uh, 
Utah State. We get killed by them. Um, uh, yeah, San Jose State. Uh, a bunch of little schools in California. Um, Montana Tech had a team. Um, Boise State. They were pretty solid. Uh, yeah, so there's certainly no shortage of teams out there. It's, uh, I, I loved the travel. I, uh, wasn't really accustomed to traveling around and taking flights to, for games. Cause I don't think it really works like that on the East coast too much. Um, but yeah, we, uh, we did some good travel and had some good vacation type trips, uh, during our seasons. So. Uh, speaking of travel, do you have any uh, like a favorite road trip memories? Because it seems like you traveled a pretty decent amount, but then you mentioned like being on airplanes. So, any, any fun stories? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm. I mean, favorite place to go by far was ASU. Went there my senior year. Uh, yeah, I was just blown away. Like the. One, just the weather. You're, I, we went down there, I think, in January, and we're coming from rainy Seattle. It's like 40 degrees, and going to Arizona, it's super nice. They've got a nice campus. The rink wasn't anything special, but it was better than average, I'd say. Uh, but it was really just about the bar scene and after the games down there. Uh, we, uh, yeah. The, the one time we went down there, uh, we got some, I think we lost 8-1 first game. Um, next game, we lost only 3-2, and we went out to the bars after and just had an unreal time. So that, that was definitely the place. Uh, I know when we were just walking around campus during the day, uh, we were just like, geez, like it, if I knew about this program before I was on this trip, this would like this would have been high on my list to go here. Uh, I thought the same thing earlier in my career when I went to we played a little tournament in Colorado, Boulder, and their rink they have a new rink now, but the rink at the time had whole like one side just completely glass windows and you could see the flat irons like just clear right out the windows insane view from the ice uh, but that campus was super nice and you can just hike around and there's a lot to do around there so that was like wow if i had visited this place this would have been sweet too um but yeah travel uh was great we uh this is this is a good travel story too uh just came to my head we uh my sophomore year we had the conference tournament in anaheim it was hosted at anaheim ice or the anaheim rinks um and we happened to stay pretty close to disneyland and like our coach was adamant like you're not going to disneyland while we're down there like this conference tournament we were there to win and like this is the end of our season potentially uh i had never been and a few of us were pretty much like gung-ho like 
I'm going to Disneyland. I don't care. Uh, and yeah, we got down there on a Thursday night. Our, our game Friday against Cal uh, for the quarterfinals was like 8 p.m. And yeah, a few of us got up the on the Friday morning, got to Disneyland at 8 a.m. We're hanging around Disneyland all day. And uh, yeah, we went to our game right from there. And we, I think we won 15 to four or something. And uh, like the, all the guys that went to Disneyland had 11 of the 15 goals. It was just something ridiculous. Uh, but yeah, I mean, our, our coaches were super pissed and they couldn't even speak to us before the game. It was, it's pretty great, but that was, that was great travel. Ryan, tell us about, uh, just a little bit about like, I don't know, a typical game day, um, at Washington, what, what's the, uh, is like the rink on campus and yeah. what would be like the, uh, the full, take us through a full game day at Washington? Yeah. Um, so most games when I was there, they were either at nine or 10 PM at night. So, and I'm, I'm not sure how it works for you guys, but for the most part, we were practicing like two days a week, Monday, Wednesdays at like 11 PM. Uh, so our game day, like I'd be going to class or whatever, doing nothing special. And we usually get to the rink around an hour, hour, 15 minutes ahead. Uh, shirt and tie sometimes. It wasn't uh, too strict, I would say. Um, but yeah, we'd, we'd do a little warm up and uh, yeah, we didn't. We certainly had nothing special for a game day routine. Our rink was uh, 15 minutes away from campus, so that was a challenge for us, just to try to get fans, especially because the games are so late. Like we're we're certainly not attracting families to attend our games. Uh, we were really marketing BYOB, and I'm not sure like if you guys get away with that at your ranks or what what goes on, but when I was at UW, we like we just pushed BYOB, bring your own beer, and we tried to have shuttle buses from our campus that would shuttle frat kids and other random students that wanted to come to the game. We'd have we'd get a bus and they'd pay like five bucks to take the bus and get into the game, and they could just drink their heads off and then eventually go home. Um, so that was, I mean, that's the best part, I think. Uh, I, I don't think it works exactly like that today. The, the rink, I don't even think they had a liquor license. Uh, we just kind of kept it under wraps, sort of. Uh, but yeah, it was a big party. Like we, we had some great crowds, especially for Oregon games. Those were our big rival games and um, yeah, I mean, the, the fans were insane those games. And most times there was at least one player who would go to the box from, from Oregon who would eventually get kicked out for chirping the fans and fans would be messing with them. So uh, the fans did their part and we, uh, we tried to grow the fan base as much as we could. 
um, while we were while I was in school. So I think especially in club hockey, there's that like uh, here at Syracuse, we've got our rink on campus, so like we're, mm-hmm. we can't exactly uh, sell uh, sell fans on BYOB. But I think yeah. that's an advantage you have playing off campus. Yeah, if, if you can get an off campus rink that's that's nearby, it gives you the flexibility to do stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. It was uh, it was nice. It was really the one big selling point we could we could give to students to actually come out to our games instead of going to a party. They could just turn our rink into a party as long as they didn't die or do anything too stupid. You you played a huge role at Washington. Is how many uh, how much time did you spend as the team president, and what was what were some of the challenges you faced as, as team president? Yeah, uh, I was, so I was team president for two years. Um, I would say the toughest part was just collecting dues. Cause it's just, I don't know, players don't want to pay and you're constantly having to sort of nag them to, to pay their dues. And I remember my, my, so my freshman year, uh, we did this tournament in St. Louis. Like, so these were after my exhibition games and we flew to St. Louis team had no money. Uh, the, one of our assistant coaches dropped like five grand to fly us to St. Louis. And we would, we told him like, Hey, yeah, we'll, we'll pay him back. I don't know if he ever got the money back. I wasn't the president at the time, but, uh, yeah, collecting dues was definitely the toughest part being in the, in the president role. Uh, outside of that, it was fundraising. Uh, that was always tough. And just getting players to volunteer in the summer to do fundraisers and wake up at 8 a.m. and show up to a golf tournament, uh, work at a concession stand or something. That wasn't the easiest thing to do. Um, other than that, it was just, you're trying to, I, I, I scheduled games. I don't know if that's customary for presidents, but uh, I was, I scheduled the games with teams. That was probably the best part. Uh, just trying to put, put a schedule together and try to figure out where, where do we want to go this year? Um, but yeah, dues were definitely uh, my biggest challenge. Now, are, are dues jacked up because of all the flights for road games? Uh, well, so we paid, and I think it's higher now, but we were paying like two grand a year. That's not too so, bad. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, and we, we would get a little bit of funding from the school, from the club sports department. So that helped a little bit. And we were staying in pretty dinky hotels, four to a room. Um, doing all we could to cut costs. We didn't take buses. We would usually carpool in players' cars, which wasn't really smart, but that's what we did for the majority of my time at UW. So, yeah, it was all – we were on a tight budget, that was for sure. You guys didn't have to pay as much as we're paying here at IU. We're up in, like, the 3,000s. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, I I, – I'm guessing that's what the dues are now at UW. I, hmm. I, I know they went up. Like I, I know they for sure went up when I was done. Yeah. Um, 
the club hockey dollars gone up in, in recent years. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I bet. The bus cost, that's definitely, if you can cut that, I mean, that's a pretty big one. Yeah, yeah. We, uh, and I know the team now takes a bus, and there's a big reason why. Uh, my junior year, we had a trip to Boise, which is like a eight or so hour drive. And so we're, I think we had four, uh, four or five cars driving there and a couple of guys flew to cheap flight. Like, and it's only like an hour to get there from Seattle. But yeah, we, uh, drove to Boise and one of the cars ended up like flipping on the way there. It was brutal. Nobody, nobody was seriously injured or anything. Thank God. But after that incident, that pretty much was like, all right, we need to be a lot smarter than this and take a bus or just pay a little more and take the quick flight. Um, and actually that same trip, I ended up having to hitchhike home, uh, with a couple of teammates cause the guy's car we drove back in. So this Boise trip was insane actually. So we got there because the car flipped, we only ended up having like eight guys and one of the guys who was flying, like his bag was on that car. So he didn't end up flying there. We had like eight guys for two games versus Boise and our backup goalie. Cause our starter, I think went to Vegas with his family for his 21st birthday, something just ridiculous, but I, it was club, whatever. Got to Boise first game. We lose 15 to one. I think second game, we didn't even finish. We ended up, ending in the second like intermission i think we we're down only like five zip five one so it wasn't wasn't terrible uh but we had two guys out with injuries and one guy got injured in the second period so we literally had five guys left uh and then we just called the game um and then after that next day we were driving back for those of the people that were there and the guy's car I was in and I was with two other teammates. His car just happens to break down about two and a half hours away from Seattle. So we're on the side of the highway and like none of us have family nearby. The other cars had already driven by uh, with our team. They're not, they're not coming back to get us. So yeah, we sat on the side of the highway, like looking for uh, somebody to pick us up, and thank thank God somebody stopped. Uh, like Vietnam War vet picked us up and drove us back to Seattle, and yeah, that was nuts. So that's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. You full gear and everything, just like walking down the street. Like this was a legit highway. Um, it had a pretty big uh, shoulder. So we were just outside the car, like doing the honk the, like, honk the horn kind of thing. And um, yeah, just one guy pulled over and we told him where we were going. He happened to be going to Seattle for his um, nephew's football game or something. 
So we just hitched a ride with them. But yeah, it was. I'm, I haven't done anything since then like that, or hopefully never have to. But yeah, it was pretty crazy. That's phenomenal. You talk. You talked a bit about the rivalry with Oregon. Was yeah. that the, the team? You, was that your biggest rival, or were there some other teams you you hated to play, or or places you like to play at? Yeah, o- Oregon for sure was just the biggest rival, and they'd say the same. Uh, anybody that was asked on their team too, they uh, we hated each other. The games were just a different intensity level than others, in my opinion. Um, people just played a little harder. And we could have lost every game every season. And it, but if we beat Oregon, like it was a probably a successful season. Um, so those were the those are the big games, and those those are the the ones that most most players have the memories from. Uh, other teams that uh, are rivals, Wazoo is kind of the natural rival for UW. It's Washington State. Um, their team, when I was there, we just smoked them. Uh, usually like 10-1, that kind of range, most games. So it wasn't like a big rival for us at the time. Um, I think they're improving, so it's. I think it's been more even lately. Uh, other than them, Utah... Uh, we hated them. They, they were just kind of a chippier team. Um, and we hated going to Utah because the beer was only 3.2% and everything closed early. So it just wasn't a, wasn't a good vacay spot uh, for, for any of the older guys. So, uh, yeah, we didn't like going there. Actually, this just came to my head. UNLV was a great spot. We went to Vegas uh, one year. And uh, games were at midnight, um, so that was just a that was a cool experience too for us. I wasn't 21 at the time, but a lot of my teammates who were that was that was probably one of the highlights for them. As much as we all love club hockey, do you think there's a, a legitimate argument for the Pac-12 to go Division One NCAA in hockey down the road? Yeah, I. Uh... I'm always curious about that. ASU, they definitely have it down in terms of how they turned their program into what it is today with the NCAA. They're, they just, they have a great setup. They, they really know what they're doing. Um, Other, other schools in the Pac-12, I mean, Utah has a really good setup. They have a really nice rink on campus. Um, that was used for like the Salt Lake City games, so I could definitely see them trying to jump up at some point if they can get funding. Um, I mean, UW just because we're in Seattle and NHL's coming here, I would imagine the program's going to get a lot more backing soon. I don't know if it'll go anywhere, but I think that'll elevate the club team out here for sure um yeah i think 
you you definitely noticed that with UNLV has really picked it up since Vegas got a team. Yeah, so I wouldn't be surprised if the same happened in Seattle. Yeah, yeah, it'd be cool. I and and the the LA schools and um and even Cal. I, I feel like if the if if one other school gets it in the Pac-12, the other ones are probably gonna look a lot more seriously into it. Um, right now, I think it's ASU's the the poster child, and if anybody can figure out the funding, and um, I I feel like it could work. It's just the the travel and the amount of money that's needed is it's high because there's, there's not a lot of teams locally. Uh, and I've, I've, I run a hockey agency and I have clients that have come from ASU. And I, so I know the program pretty well now, um, but they're, they're flying every game. It's, that's, that's a lot of money. That's why the Alaska schools in NCAA struggle so much because they're, the, the travel is just tough. Same with Huntsville in the South. So it's the travel is what costs all the money and, uh, that's what I think is, it's really just about funding. So going back to your playing career, how did you end up getting an article on the player's tribune? I want to talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Uh, I can't say I did anything too special, honestly. Um, I, I would read the player's tribune every day. I, I loved reading it when, when it first started out as a platform, I just loved getting the players' perspectives on whatever they were dealing with. Um, and I, when I got my Finland deal in the spring of my senior year, I, and as my summer went on, I would just kind of was like, oh, I have a pretty good story. Maybe I'll, let's, let's see if I can write something and see if I can get into the Players' Tribune. Didn't know how I was going to do that. But I, all I did was really I researched the Players Tribune. I found an editor and I emailed him my story, and I got lucky and he responded. Um, so it wasn't really a wasn't really a typical Players Tribune sequence. I mean, most of the people that are on there are all bigger names than I was. That's for sure. Um, I just, I think I wrote a good story and, um, the, the editor happened to like it and, um, we did a little bit of editing and that's really all it was. Um, so yeah, I I can't say I, I, I knew, I didn't know anybody in the Players Tribune had zero connections to it. I just got, found the right guy's email. Um, and he happened to respond to me. So pretty lucky. And then after that, I know in, in your article, you kind of talk about it, but how, how did you end up in going from Washington to Finland? Yeah. So funny story. I was, so during my senior year, I, I had, I, I wanted to go pro. And I, I felt I was good enough. I had no clue how to get to Europe. I, I had no clue how to get to any league. Uh, but my senior year, I'm on spring break with this one of my teammates and his friend and his family in 
we're in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, just going out to the, the clubs and having a great time. And I get this random Facebook friend request from a guy in Finland and all right, no clue who this is. Figured it was just kind of some bot or just some something random. Uh, and I deleted the request. And then next morning I wake up, same guy, he's already sent me another friend request. So I'm like, all right, weird. Something's going on here. So I accepted the friend request and he sends me this nice little message. He's the team manager of this team in Finland and they're interested in having me play there next season. Uh, so that's how it got started. The only connection I had with this team was from my high school senior year when I was playing on this junior team. Uh, the team had one, we had one Finnish guy and he happened to be from that same town of this team. So that was like the only connect the dots kind of thing that I could find. Uh, the team also used to have a ACHA player on the team a couple years prior and he did pretty well. So I think that helped them in terms of following me, I guess. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty out of the blue and yeah, I was pr pretty grateful to, to get that opportunity. What was the experience like down in Finland? Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, it was looking back, it was a great experience. Um, it's led me to, to a ton um, after playing. But yeah, when I went to Finland, I, I did as much research as I could. I knew just from being in Minnesota, I, I knew players that have gone, that had gone overseas and I, I knew other ACHA players that had done it too. Um, so I, I kind of knew I could, I could get there. I didn't, I didn't know what the experience was really going to be like, but yeah, I was in the small town, uh, 15,000 people. They had like my team and there was a women's Finnish baseball team that was pretty good. And we had a pro basketball team with a couple Americans on the team too. So that was the town. It was super small, four hours, roughly north of Helsinki. Uh, so not a lot going on. I, uh, yeah, there was two bars. Well, there was a couple bars in the town and one club and the club was open for like two or three months of the year total. So there was very little nightlife or really anything to do. Um, but I did a lot of volunteering and I was going into schools, helping out in English classes and uh, me and my, I had a Latvian roommate. We helped coach a youth team. Um, I drove the Zamboni to make some extra money every, every few weeks. That was a hilarious time. Uh, I had never driven to Zamboni in my life before then. And I'm like looking at these buttons and finish that I can't read. And I'm trying to drive this thing, not crash. Um, so that was an experience and I, obviously I was, I got decent enough that I, that I was able to do it all season, but yeah, I, I was just, I, I was really trying to keep myself busy. I was writing a lot um, of the, this book that I'm, that came out and 
so I, I tried to try to stay busy and um yeah overall it was good, good experience for me and i got to go to europe and that was that was pretty cool sounds like the acha really prepared you for finland <laughs> yeah yeah no i think it did uh i didn't have uh i didn't have these crazy expectations that's for sure um just from like i i remember the when i was playing preseason there i was just so thankful for a legit operation like i'm i'm getting on a bus i'm going to the game i'm getting to the game two hours ahead i'm doing a legit warm-up uh I have a nice jersey, like I have nice gear. Um, I have decent sticks, and it it was just I I was like, thank God, like I have missed this. Uh, it was nice getting on. It was nice getting on the bus that you didn't have to coordinate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was just nice. I could show up to the rink, pick up my gear, throw it on the bus, sit on the bus, get off the bus, and do what I need to do to get ready to the game. I don't have to scramble to help any game day operations or just help with anything random that's going wrong with a bus showing up to a rink with students. Um, yeah, it was, uh, I, I welcomed that for sure. So you, you talked a little bit about starting to write down ideas for your book while in Finland, what, what made you start writing and, and how did you develop the idea to write a book about your club hockey experience? Yeah. So I actually started writing the book before my senior year at UW and really what got me writing, I just kind of felt my career was maybe coming to an end. And so I was doing a lot of reminiscing and, I knew that my youth experience and high school experience in Minnesota was pretty unique. I, I felt I had a good story for younger players to learn from. Um, and I, I just wanted to be able to remember things that I was doing when I was growing up that I felt like, oh, this could probably help a kid who's 15 going through a tough time um, in the game. Uh, so that was part of it, and I wanted to be able to remember some of the things I was doing at UW over the course of my career up to that point. So I just started writing down um, ideas and thoughts I had on my career up, up to that point, and during my senior year, I kept writing every few weeks. I'd update uh, anything of note that happened. And yeah, when I got the Finland deal, I was like, all right, I got, I got a probably pretty legit story here. Like going, going from club to pro doesn't happen much. And I'll keep the writing up when I get to Finland. So when I got to Finland, I sort of turned into a diary form. So I was writing every week and at the end of my season, I was up to about 240 pages or so. And I just felt like I got to get the story out there. Um, I I felt like there was a lot of players that could 
just learned from my experience and I, I took a very unconventional path to where I got to. I felt like that that could be a, a really good thing for a lot of players to see who are maybe they're falling through the cracks, but they're they're a good player. They're just not getting opportunities or um, maybe it is a guy who's who's playing club or he's playing division three or even just a division one player who is really not getting an opportunity. I felt like my story can, there's a lot of things that they, they can learn and try to take from potentially. Um, so I, that that's what pushed me to try to get the story out there. And um, yeah, it was a heck of a process trying to get a publisher. And then once I got a publisher editing um, so yeah, I worked on the book for basically seven years and it took me about two and a half years to get a publisher and then yeah, a few years after that of editing. So it's been, uh, it's been a journey. That's for sure. So now what, what is your, what's your current job? Do you have your own agency now? Yeah. So I run a hockey agency out here in Seattle and have players playing all over this year is kind of insane um but normal years uh like last year i had players in 14 different countries and um yeah it's been quite the quite the adventure on on that end of of things too i uh can't say i planned on getting into the agency business like myself i didn't have an agent didn't know what I was doing when I went to Finland. Um, but I learned a lot about the industry and uh, just what, what players need and what, what players really like. Um, so I, I actually got into the agency business because I, when I got to Finland and I was living with this Latvian guy, I learned about his contract because in my contract I had two free meals a day at this sponsored restaurant. So I could go to this restaurant and go to the buffet and then I could just kind of get up and leave. Uh, it was great. I saved a lot of money on food and yeah, it was really nice. Like I, but my roommate, he didn't have that setup, and he, his contract in comparison to mine was just not even close. So I helped him renegotiate part of his contract so he could get the two free meals a day. And I was making extra money doing this little coaching gig with these, with the youth. And I got him involved in that so he could make a little bit. And we would do some random odd jobs in town to make a little extra money too. So I, I just, I, uh, I helped him fix his deal at least so he could live a little bit better. Um, and then from there, uh, during my season, me and, and him, we struggled to get playing time here and there. And we had apartment random issues. Uh, like I had a, my bedroom had a like broken, just the window was like cracked. So when it was negative 20 out, I, I'd have a nice gust of wind coming in. <laughs> I couldn't do much about. Uh, so I felt like if I had an agent, agent could 
tell this team like, hey, like, can can you fix this or can you pay these guys on time? Um, so I, I felt there was there was clearly something was a need, um, and I was at the lower level, so I didn't expect some big agent or really anybody to care, and that's why I was like, all right, there's clearly a need here. And after my season ended, I wasn't going to keep playing. I, I had had concussions in the past and I didn't want to keep making a little bit of money and living in tiny towns. So I wasn't going to keep playing and my roommate was going to keep playing. So I just offered to help him get a decent deal and then I could come visit him and we get to have a great time. So that's, that's really how it started. And then it just kind of grew from there. I helped his brother and helped some Finnish players and uh, started getting referrals and random messages from North American guys. Cause so that, that's kind of how it started. I can't say uh, I intended to really get into the business, but here I am. Well, if there are any uh, club players right now thinking about making the hop to Europe at the end of their senior season, we'll have to send them your way. Yeah, yeah, no, I, uh, I've, I've helped a few, a few club guys, so it's always, it's always fun. Um, probably most notable was a Liberty guy, Zane Schartz. He played in the ECHL for a couple of years, and then he was in Hungary last year. Um, but yeah, I always like I always like helping ACHA guys out and just anybody that's kind of getting overlooked and for sure needs help trying to get exposure and getting out there for for a good experience. It's always always rewarding to help guys like that. Well, Ryan, we we really appreciate you coming on. I want to give you one last chance to kind of advertise your book here. Uh, give us the name of your book and where guys can get a copy of it. Yeah, so book is called Thin Ice, and you can get it on Amazon or Target, Barnes and Noble, any any international retailer um, has it online. So that's uh, that's the best way to get it. And yeah, I I appreciate all the support, and um, I I had a great experience with the ACHA. I know it can be tough, and the circumstances are not always ideal um but the acha uh, the thing i really loved about it was you really control your experience um just because like you're you're running the team like there's the, the athletic department's not controlling when you play or what what you're allowed to do or where you're allowed to go like i always thought that was a cool advantage that a club had because the students are, we're calling the shots. Um, so club club hockey is really what you make of it, and I I, I tried to make the most of my experience, and I, I hope most guys in in the ACHA do that. So. All right. Once again, thank you for Ryan Minkoff for coming on the show. Uh, pretty interesting interview. We haven't really had a, a West Coast guy yet. He was our first one and uh, definitely didn't disappoint. I think a lot of us in the East Coast take it for granted. 
these long bus trips that we do, but I don't know. Like I thought flying was cool the one time we did it last year, but flying every other weekend seems brutal. Um, but I guess flying every other weekend is better than hitchhiking home to Seattle. <laughs> that story is yeah. phenomenal. Yeah, that was probably phenomenal. one of the best stories for sure, like on the podcast, in my opinion. It was definitely very unique. Well, we were talking about Vietnam earlier. Like, we literally had a <laughs> Vietnam veteran pick them up on the side of the road. I would just lose it if I was driving by and I see like four kids just like hauling their hockey bags with their thumbs out trying to get a ride. I would pick them up probably, but I would be laughing so hard. I mean, he's, he had to have been driving a truck if he's got room for three hockey bags, right? Yeah, that's what I wasn't sure about. Did, he, did they, like, haul all their gear and bring it with, or did they just leave it with the kids whose car broke down? Yeah, who knows. Um, but that pretty much wraps it up for this week's episode. Once again, thank you all for joining in. Um, Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next week. Yep, we'll see you guys next week. Baby, I'm howling for you.